Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com by Beautio Books, an independent family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com by Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Vortexoptics.com And proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club, a Rhode Island-based club of passionate birders like you. Become a member and check out the fall edition of our newsletter. Find us on Facebook and online at OceanStateBirdClub.org. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 810, during which we'll hear some sounds of the nutcracker through a touch of seasonal music by Peter Ilyich Tchaikovsky. And in a sweet song by Nusifraga, Colombiana, another kind of nutcracker. And then there's this familiar sound that reminds us to direct you to our holiday gift ideas page on our website. A lot of suggestions there about gifts for the birder or nature lover on your list. Even some ideas related to our initiative that we call Plurting, that's picking up litter while birding. It's the Holiday Gift Ideas button right there on our website at the top of the page at TalkinBirds.com. That's our Birds in the News theme. One reason that populations of great blue herons continue to do well in the face of dramatic declines for many wading birds and others is that great blue herons are pretty much omnivores. If fish and frogs and salamanders aren't available, they'll go after rodents and rabbits and all kinds of other things. But alligators? The story is out about a Florida wildlife photographer who captured the sight of a great blue heron swallowing a whole juvenile alligator. This is at a lake northwest of Orlando last Saturday. In case you wondered, uh, it took the bird about a half an hour to gulp down the gator. Now, this is a sound that you might almost think is a great blue heron. It also has a kind of a guttural sound, a little bit like that. But this is a bird with much shorter legs. It's our mystery bird, and this is a preview of our mystery bird contest coming along a bit later. Beautiful Droll Yankees window mount songbird feeder is our prize this morning, offering a clear view of the birds right at your window. It holds a couple of cups of seed or fruit or mealworms. The Droll Yankees window mount songbird feeder. Our prize in the mystery bird contest uh, coming along uh, just a little bit later on in this morning's show. And now... A royal salute to our great Talking Birds ambassadors. And Talking Birds ambassadors, we'd like to salute this morning who are helping us to get the word out about our show and about our aim to spread the word about birds and conservation. Thank you to Marilyn M., from Cleveland, Ohio. Thank you, Marilyn. And how about those Browns? Thank you to Kevin C. from Joliet, Illinois, who says our podcast has turned his Subaru into a listening center for all things birds while he and his girlfriend visit family on Sundays. He says she's being annoyed or becoming annoyed with his correct mystery bird answers, though. You'll have to help her out a little bit there, Kevin. 
Thank you so much, Kevin in Joliet, Illinois. And thank you to Marty Anderson from Boston, Massachusetts. She says, I'm a lifelong nature lover, always exploring and learning about the beauty and wonder of our planet. As a city dweller, I maintain a log of my local sightings and those from my travels. But this year, with business curtailed and more time to look, I've discovered an unexpected variety of species close to home. She says, I can't imagine why it has taken me so long to become an ambassador since I've been spreading the word about your show for a while. Time to make it official. Well, thank you for doing so, Marty. Thank you so much. Easy to become a Talking Birds ambassador and easy to do. Just go to TalkingBirds.com and go to the Get Involved tab right there at the top of the page. Still to come on our show today, we'll talk some trash. How to reduce it, that is, with a guest from a wonderful organization, Conservation Law Foundation. Plus, Mike O'Connor offers some suggestions on what not to choose for holiday gift giving in our live Let's Ask Mike segment. And up next, a bird whose feats of memory offer another challenge to the pejorative use of the phrase bird brain is today's featured feathered friend. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. For today's holiday season featured feathered friend segment, a nutcracker. No, not that nutcracker. This nutcracker. Not as musical as Tchaikovsky, maybe. But could Tchaikovsky hide thousands of seeds and remember where to find them? I doubt it. But the Clark's Nutcracker can. In fact, some individual birds are known to cache more than 30,000 seeds and then relocate them as much as nine months later. Many researchers have worked to discover the Nutcracker's secret. It was Utah State University's Richard Vanderwall who finally figured it out. Vanderwall's experiments demonstrated clearly that spatial memory was what the birds used to find the seeds they'd hidden. Yes, they actually remember where they've put them. Not surprisingly, Clark's Nutcrackers, named for William Clark of Lewis and Clark fame, belong to a very intelligent family of birds, the Corvids, a group that also includes crows, ravens, magpies, jays, and jackdaws. The Clark's Nutcracker is a blue jay-sized bird, mostly ash gray, but black and white on the wings and central tail feathers. They live high in western mountains, using their sharp bills to rip into pine cones to pull out their seeds, which they carry to their hiding places in a large pouch under their tongues. They also eat insects, berries, and small mammals, as well as bird eggs and nestlings. As for their own nestlings, Clark's nutcrackers feed them from winter stores of pine seeds, some of which have more calories than chocolate. So they can breed as early as January or February, despite the harsh mountain weather. And what happens to the seeds the birds hide but don't find? Well, they often sprout playing an important role in growing and reversing the decline of western pine forests. 
the Clark's Nutcracker, Nusifraga Colombiana. Today's Talking Birds featured Feathered Friend. Welcome again to our show number 810. As always, we invite you to visit that website of ours, TalkingBirds.com. We mentioned briefly a few minutes ago about plurting, our effort to encourage birders everywhere, tens of millions of them here in the U.S. and, of course, many, many more beyond, to um, think about picking up litter while birding. But we have a guest this morning who has a much bigger picture idea about trash and waste and the like, and she is Kirsty Petchy. She's the director of the Zero Waste Project for Conservation Law Foundation, based in Boston, serving New England and engaging in programs applicable just about anywhere. And she joins us on the phone right now. Good morning, Kirsty. Good morning, Ray. So thank you so much for having me. Well, it's our pleasure indeed, and uh, your organization does a lot of wonderful stuff, including this Zero Waste Project that you are heading up. And give us a little overview about uh, the goals and techniques of the Zero Waste Project. Absolutely. So I um, I love waste work, and the reason I do, I call myself a trashy attorney, and the reason <laughs> I do is because as all of your plurters know, uh, you can make a difference on uh, this problem. And it's, it's, a diff- it's the small differences, like when you go out and are watching birds and picking up trash, but then also the bigger differences. We can change our system so that the producers who are making all of this single-use plastic waste, you know, the cups and bottles that we're just using for a few minutes, that they can be responsible for those materials, and we can transition to reusable, refillable materials. So that's the whole, you know, theory of change at, at zero waste pro- um, at our zero waste project. We want to push back against disposal, against dangerous landfills and incinerators, and make sure that we're promoting programs like composting, like reducing waste, like making producers responsible for the products they're creating. Uh, not making cities and towns and businesses pay for trash um, pickup and trash disposal and recycling, and then also make sure that we're using materials that really are sustainable. So things that can be reused and recycled, like glass and pla- uh, glass and uh, aluminum containers, for instance, versus plastic, which, if it's collected perfectly, might be recycled a few times, but really in the end will not get recycled in the wor- real world. Most plastic is not truly recyclable. Uh, yeah, so that's what we're working on, and we've been doing it since January 2017, and we really love working through all of New England. So we talk about uh, making these producers responsible and, and, and that kind of thing. Talk about, if you would, some, some techniques on, on how we do that. In other words, we pick up litter, and we, we see what we're picking up, and then we know, you know what to report about it, right? That's exactly correct. I, I think I can't overstate how important that litter pickup is, not only because you're actually picking up what's on your road. I found a coat on my road, you know, which is, of course, made of nylon and it's plastic, right? I found a coat on my road the other day. So all of us who are walking through nature, we need to do that. We need to pick up what's there. But my dream is for us to walk through nature and not see anything made of plastic or other trash on the ground. And the way we get there is when you, when you pick something up, when you, uh, when you put it in your bag, please add that extra step of taking a picture of it maybe if you're a good photographer or if you're used to, you know, if you take a picture of the cake you made, please take a picture of the plastic you pick up mm-hmm. and send it out there on your Facebook, on your Twitter, any social media to do. If you're not that guy, if you don't like social media, if you don't like taking pictures, 
call your uh, call your local town official and say it's a problem, and tell them to promote the bigger solutions, which are bottle bills. If those bottles are worth a dime instead of a nickel, mm-hmm. you know New Hampshire doesn't even have a bottle bill. Rhode Island doesn't have a bottle bill. The other states, most of them, have been at a nickel in New England. We should be bringing it up to a dime so it's worth more. We should make sure all the containers included, like nips, those horrible little nip bottles that I'm sure you're all seeing out there. Mm-hmm. And if you tell your local officials and your state legislators, your, your rep and your senator, hey, we need a bottle bill, or we need, there's pro, there are um, bills coming up this next session called producer responsibility bills for packaging. Mm-hmm. And what that would mean is the folks who are making these materials are responsible for paying the cities and towns for the trash recycling or disposal. And as soon as they do that, instead of all this filmy plastic that can't be recycled and these other plastics that can't be recycled, they end up redesigning their packaging. So there's less packaging for them to pay for at the end life. There's um, more sustainable plastic, uh, more sustainable packaging. And then also reusable packaging because that's how we used to do things and there's no reason we can't do it again. So all this going on in New England and some really hopeful signs. Other places, too, are kind of getting on this bandwagon, if you can call it that. Seattle, San Francisco, and other places. Do you feel like there is a bandwagon effect going on with this kind of thing? Oh, absolutely. I think anybody who takes a walk every day and is out in nature has seen more and more plastic waste out there. And people are sick of it. I I was just reading an article that... Uh, seabirds that eat plastic, even if they survive, they're sicker because of it. And I'm sure that's true for our birds that are inland as well. Um, We're also seeing that they're finding microplastics in women's placentas, which means that these these toxics that are in plastic, because remember, toxic is made from oil and, plastic's made from oil and glass. Excuse me, oil and gas. Uh, That plastic is getting into our systems. That toxicity is getting into our systems and it's really dangerous. And people are also, this is something that people may not be aware of, people are getting aware of, though, is that Coke and Pepsi and Nestle are the three biggest polluters in the world as far as these pickups go. If you, if you pick up your trash and you start weighing it, you'll see that these bottles are going to be a large part of it, especially if you don't have a bottle bill in your, town, in your um, state. So these plastic companies are purposely sending money out to maybe keep America beautiful and keep Massachusetts beautiful and those organizations, those are funded by Coke and the American Beverage Association. And what they're trying to do is prevent bigger solutions like bottle bills, like producer responsibility, but people are wising up. People are realizing these materials are not recyclable and the cities and towns are paying for the litter pickup and the cities and towns are paying a huge astronomical increases for recycling now. We're seeing across New England. So this is happening in New England, but it's part of a larger movement that people are tired of finding Coke and Pepsi bottles on their beaches. And that's happening across the world. There's a great study on that, Break Free from Plastics, did a big big pickup third year in a row. Um, Coke and Pepsi and Nestle are the biggest uh, polluters. So it definitely is regional and then international, and every bit you do to weigh your trash, to send pictures of your trash out, and to make calls about it will help towards those larger solutions, because this is a problem we can solve. It is in such an enormous problem, and we certainly want to talk to you about it again after today, Kirsty. But uh, in the time we have left here, I want to mention your blog. That's a seasonal blog here, and you have it listed for Thanksgiving, but certainly applying to the whole holiday season about leftovers and what to do with them and thinking about the waste that's involved there. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. This is something, this is, I always make the joke that food scraps are low-hanging fruit. Um, a lot of our waste costs are our food scraps. It's about 20 to 33% of the, what we're throwing in our landfills and incinerators, and there's no need for it. And then on the other end of it, about you know, 20% of our country now is food insecure, meaning that that wasted food uh, could, should be feeding somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're wasting a tremendous amount of food, probably 40% of what we produce across the country. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's ending up in our trash, as I said, 20 to 33%. And then we should be feeding people. So, yeah, we, the first thing to do is to try and buy smart. You know, make sure you're going to buy stuff that you're actually going to eat. The second thing, I think you said, Ray, when we were talking the other day, that you were part of the Clean Your Plate Club when you were a kid. <laughs> um, yeah, it, you know, you got to be part of that club again, most definitely. And then what we want to do is get food to people who need it. And barring that, we can also feed animals with it. And then you want to start composting and, you know, getting your food in a, in a pickup system if you live in a city or, or a suburban area. Drop-off pickup systems are cropping up everywhere across New England. I know Needham, Wellesley, they all have drop-offs. Hamilton, Wenham, uh, Hamilton, uh, town of Ham- Hamilton and North Shore actually just uh, banned food scraps from their disposal. So you're not even allowed to put it in your trash anymore there. So that's where things are going, I think, you know, that's, that's where we're going. But, and, of course, I've been eating a lot of pie over the Thanksgiving holiday <laughs> to, to try and do my part, and now I'm hit, hitting the Christmas cookies pretty hard, I have to admit. All right, and I want you to know I'm still a member of the Clean Plate Club. All right, Ray. Well, you know, I can't wait until all of us can eat together and plurt <laughs> together, but now, right now I think it's really great that people are going out and plurting and being out in the world, and uh, even if we're eating alone a lot more than we like to, uh, we can keep these keep these good intentions and and good good vibes going on all this work. Mm-hmm. Kirsty Petchy is director of the Zero Waste Project for Conservation Law Foundation. Their most definitely worth visiting website is CLF. dot org. She tweets at Kirsty Petchy, and uh, those things are maybe hard to remember. We'll put them up on our website and our social media pages too, so you can follow along with that and. We'll certainly talk again. Kirsty, thank you so much, and happy holidays. Happy holidays. Thanks so much, Ray. Coming up next here, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather. The flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a -a once-in-a-lifetime trip to cross a few species off your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you want to learn more, or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. Our mystery bird is one that um, looks better than it sounds, I guess you could say. Not a spectacular looking bird, but a pretty horrible sounding bird. Our mystery bird contest is presented by Red Start Birding. Red Start Birding is your new resource for birding optics gear and expertise. Great birding starts at redstartbirding.com. Our mystery bird is a medium-sized 
seagoing bird with a black back and head, white underside. And here's the bill description. It's kind of complicated. It's heavy, deep, round-tipped, wedge-shaped, and laterally flattened. There's a white line extending from the eyes to the end of the bill. Our bird feeds by diving underwater for schooling fish, crustaceans, and other invertebrates, using its wings to swim. Sound and the clues of our mystery bird this morning. Give us a call as soon as you can and tell us what it is or just take a guess because no correct answer means a drawing will determine our winner so you can give not exactly the right answer and still have an excellent chance of winning our beautiful prize from Droll Yankees, makers of the world's best bird feeders. It's the Window Mount Songbird Feeder with the unique Songbird and Blueberries design and a clear view of the birds right at your window. The number to call is 781-837-4900. That's 781-837-4900. Do call us as soon as you can. So we'll have time for our mystery bird contest. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, more about holiday gifts and what not to buy from our Mike O'Connor Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. What better idea for the holidays than to give the gift of books? And our friends from Beautio Books carry one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. From backyard birding books to general ornithology. From field guides for specific regions to photography, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find all of that and a whole lot more all in one convenient place. Beautiobooks.com. That's B-U-T-E-O, beautyobooks.com. Here at Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation. My name is Jack Horton, and I'm calling from Altamont Springs, Florida. Basically, birds can't write letters. They can't contact elected officials and lobby on their own behalf. So people have to do that. I encourage everybody to be a Talking Birds ambassador because the further we can spread the word for the birds, the better off the birds are going to be. It's Mike O'Connor down at the famous Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Good morning, Mike. Oh, good morning to you, Ray. Good morning. I know you want to talk about things that we should maybe not buy for bird lovers and nature lovers on our list, but I don't need any help with that, Mike, because um, I've decided to buy everybody on my list the same thing uh, this year. I'm going to buy them all Zoom binoculars. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> I know. Uh, We're laughing, but a lot of people think that's a good idea. Hmm. And, and, you know, and there's a whole list of things people traditionally get people for Christmas, and there's a lot of pitfalls. And buying Zoom binoculars, in my mind, is one of them. Um, they, they tend to be inferior binoculars, and hmm. increasing the magnification seems like a good idea on a pair of binoculars, but it actually isn't because it's hard to hold binoculars steady. So I recommend people get a an eight magnification, which isn't mm-hmm. crazy strong, yep. but it's about as strong as most people can hold steady. Yeah. And if you go to like a higher magnification, like 10 or a 12, or in a case of a zoom, they go up to like 16, the image becomes blurrier because you're not holding them steady. And and so what you get is uh, like pixelated. It becomes a, a bigger blur. So get an eight power, don't get a zoom. The other bonus with Zoom binoculars, they tend to break because they have all those mechanisms oh, yeah. in it. So when you buy someone a pair of binoculars for Christmas, get them an 8, 
power. An 8x42 is good. Mm -hmm. Whatever that second number isn't as important as the magnification. And, and they also have these binoculars. They're called permanent focus binoculars. Oh. Like there's no focus at all. Yeah. So they just kind of make an average. But that's like using somebody else's eyeglasses. You need to have an adjustment <laughs> some in there. So, so avoid those two things when you're buying some binoculars. If you're going to buy somebody a birdhouse for Christmas, and that's a good idea, but get them a simple birdhouse. You don't have to get one that looks like Rockefeller Center or Graceland or some crazy thing like that. Cause after Christmas, people come streaming in wanting to know how to set up these ginormous birdhouses that people give them for Christmas. And then they have to invest money in like a cedar post or have someone install it for them or a metal post with a cement base. Just get them a simple box because that's what the birds like. They don't need them all flashy, even though they're kind of a dull present. If the people want to attract birds, get them a, more, a simpler birdhouse that's easier to clean. And speaking of cleaning, if you buy someone a feeder, try to buy them one with that has a bottom that snaps out for cleaning, or one that's what. What am I getting played off all of a sudden? <laughs> Apparently, it's so. Yeah, no, that's a no. It's good, good uh, tip there, though. And, and the and, last thing yeah. I tell people: if you buy somebody a, 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 a bird book, get them a Peterson or a Sibley guide. Get them a complete guide to the birds. That, North America or Eastern or Western North America. Please avoid those little those little plastic pamphlets that people want to buy that look like a placemat at Denny's. Don't get them anything like that. Get them a total field guide. That way you'll be able to identify the birds in the mystery bird contest. Okay. What about those scopes that I see advertised? $9.99. You can see for miles with those. <laughs> I just recommend that you, you custom build your birdhouses to be like the Bird Watcher General Store in New Orleans. Not New Orleans. Oh, that would be beautiful. Well, that one's even better yeah, than one in New Orleans. That. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right, Mike. Thank you. Uh, talk to you about the very soon. Next week, Mike O'Connor. The November-December issue of Birdwatching Magazine features one birder's quest to find birds of paradise, a guide to today's most useful field guide and listing apps, and tips for photographing raptors. Plus, bird ID advice from Ken Kaufman and David Sibley. The issue is on newsstands through December 22nd. We're back to the mystery bird contest with a medium-sized seagoing bird with a black back and head and a, a notable bill. It's heavy, deep, round-tipped, wedge-shaped, laterally flattened, and the bird has a thin white line extending from the end of the bill to the eyes. What is that mystery bird? 781-837-4900 is the number to call. Uh, Jackie is in Halifax, Massachusetts, I believe. That's that Halifax. Let's see. Good morning, Jackie. Yes. Yes, Good it morning. is. Good morning. You sound like you're in a little like a wind tunnel there. Is it windy in Halifax? I'm in a car. I'm oh, sorry. That's, no, no, you don't have to be sorry. We all have to be in cars from time to time. That's okay. Yes. So um, let's see. Mystery bird, that's where we are. What do you think that uh, mystery bird is, Jackie? piping plover maybe a piping plover maybe but not exactly okay sorry, sorry. yeah yeah okay that is a loud car you got there uh, you must be on a, are you driving on a gravel uh, road or what is that no nope, i'm just driving on the regular car i didn't realize it was that loud on the other end yeah. just a sunday morning off-roading yeah have, have that checked have that checked uh, okay yeah. <laughs> all right <laughs> Jackie in Halifax uh, on our mystery bird contest. And now we have Caroline in Hummerock, Massachusetts. Good morning, Caroline. Hi, Ray. Hi there. Good I morning. I did the gamut. 
A gannet is your guess. A gannet guess is a really top quality guess. It certainly is a seagoing bird, but uh, that's not the bird that we had in mind there. Okay. But, but thank you very much. Um, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. Uh, just a reminder, uh, by the way, uh, while we have a, a second here, the great Kevin McGowan from the Cornell Lab of Ornithology will, will be with us next week to talk about the wonderful world of owls, which is also the name of a new online course that Kevin has devised by which we can all learn a lot of cool stuff about some very cool birds, the Cornell Lab's Kevin McGowan right here on Talking Birds next week. We have and, Zeke uh, from Marshfield. Zeke in Marshfield, Mass. Good morning, Zeke. Hi, how are you, Ray? I'm, I'm well, thank you. What do you say on the mystery bird, Zeke? I was thinking it might be a common mirror. Common mirror. That is really a good guess, but not exactly correct. Sorry about okay, that, well, Zeke. We're going to have to thank great holiday. Holiday to you. Happy holiday to you, Zeke. And we're going to have to flip the cards here and announce the uh, identity of the bird, the razor bill. The razor bill was our mystery bird. We are just about out of time for our listeners of the Jewish faith. Happy Hanukkah, and we'll see you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds, made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. BirdWatchersGeneralStore.com by Beautyo Books, an independent family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. BeautyoBooks.com by Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. VortexOptics.com and proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club, a Rhode Island-based club of passionate birders like you. Become a member and check out the fall edition of our newsletter. Find us on Facebook and online at OceanStateBirdClub.org.